everybody, and welcome to a gaping wild ride with Steve-O. This one is off the charts insane. <laughs> no other way to put it. And we were just being our crazy selves for quite a while before old Scott Randolph says, uh, what's going on with BAM? And then the floodgates just opened and nobody picked up a filter and it just got even crazier. So strap on your seatbelts for this one. And as a side note, I want you to know that this week is the launch of the Bucket List campaign with the pre-order ready to go, the trailer out. Oh man, can you not believe how insane the Bucket List is? And if you think I... I seem like I look really good right now, for those of you only listening. For those of you watching, you're thinking I look good right now. It's because this outer layer is from Outer Known. And man, are these clothes epic. My buddy Kelly Slater runs this company. And for my friends and my listeners from Kelly Slater, you can get 25% off your order from Outer Known. If you go to outerknown.com slash stevo and use the promo code stevo, you'd be crazy not to do it because these clothes are insanely epic, totally sustainable, just all good practices. Um, you know, they treat people and the environment right, and the clothes are amazing. So one more time, go to outerknown.com slash Stevo and use the promo code Stevo at checkout for a full 25% off your order. Now, get ready, because this is about to get nuts. People of the universe, I bring you Brandon Novak. I'm fucking stoked to be here, boys. Yeah, dude. Good to see you. It's been a minute. People of the universe. Yep. You like saying that? That's my new thing, man. It's all inclusive. I was asking the, the boys, how many people, what was the question I asked you guys? How many people, how many humanoids have there been since the beginning of time? Can you take a guess? What's like a humanoid? Like a human. I don't know why I said humanoid. Since the beginning of time, so. <laughs> like humans, not like Neanderthal, like, I guess like humans. I don't know why I said humanoids. Okay. Uh, so there's the, 8 billion right now, 7.8. I think it, I thought Is there was there, nine. No, there's I thought, way more. I thought there was over nine. Yeah, there's nine. No, million. there's not nine billion people. How many no, people I think are... it was seven point eight. I, right. I thought it was eight. I but think you... it's more like nine. Okay. I'm with Steve-O. Isaac, what are you Isaac, sleeping? Just, what are you doing? You want me to Google this? Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah. What the hell do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, how man. many people are in the in the world today? Seven point eight. Okay. Oh. Boom. So how many people? I stand corrected. How many people COVID have number. there been? I mean, give me a time frame, dude. Probably 200,000 years. No, no, no. Well, the last 200,000 years <laughs> is probably when they discovered the first human skull. Okay. Right? How many people have there ever been? Yeah. What, what was, what's your guess? Uh, are we talking a trillion? No. So that's what I said. That's a dumb shit Vinny said. <laughs> <laughs> I just kidding. I just kidding. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Isaac said Isaac said 90 billion, Vinny said a trillion. Um, I will land in between. It's like 500 billion? I'm not going to go that high. I'm going to say in the last 200,000 years there have been 100 and 75 Ooh. 
billion. What do you say? Ooh, maybe that's a little high. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like strangely turned on right now with this conversation. I don't know why. Yeah, it's, it's one of those. You want me to just give it to you? Yeah. 117 billion people. Wow. What did you See, mean? I would have guessed 175, uh, but that would mean that Isaac won. Right? Who's closer? I was, I was under, Scott was, I was under when I guessed 95, <laughs> but Scott was over I said at, a at a closer guess. I said Scott got the closest. Well, I was listening to a debate, and they're, they're like, debating this, right. but I was just interested. Anyway, how I, are this, you? This Scott, conversation Scott was way out of my realm. Yes. I, I, was, I was thinking the, the, my math skills go as far as um, I used to be really good at 15s because I would buy $15 bags of heroin. So I could do 15, 30, 45, 60, 75. Once you got to the billions, and they laughed at your trillion. I'm like, dude, I don't even really know what a fucking trillion is. Wait a second. You did heroin? No, dude. No, 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 no. no. Okay. Did somebody what, say heroin? <laughs> what was your longest time that you spent in jail, Brandon? Um, uh, a, a few months over a year. A few months over a year? That was yeah. Con consecutive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. So at that point, I had made it, I had graduated to the penitentiary. For sure. Yeah. Because wow, well, after... If you get a year or more, you don't go to county, you go to the... Yeah. County jail is, by definition, for under a year. Yep. Over a year, by definition, is prison. What was your longest? Ten days. Ten days. Six, six months. Jesus. Okay, so when you went down for this penitentiary bid, yeah. you were aware that you were going... You had to surrender yourself. You knew that you were going... No. But you didn't. So I was actually fighting the case. Um, I, I'd originally, the, 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 the charge stemmed from uh, a prescription fraud, right? I had, I had, uh, a buddy of mine had stole a, a pad from a doctor and he penciled out me a few Percocets. And a few being? Yeah, I think like, it, it was from a dentist pad, so you couldn't write like a big script, so it was like 10 or 15, because it was for like the oxycodone 30 milligrams, which is like a higher amount or dosage than a dentist would normally ever write. Mm -hmm. So you had to kind of keep it like mellow to not look suspicious. And uh, I had went to the pharmacy. It was actually during the time we were filming. Um, number two. Yeah. Yeah. Jackass number two. And I was, I was ill one day and, and uh, I was, I had this leather jacket on with all these different pockets and I, I was like rummaging through my stuff, hoping to find something. Now, when you say ill, you mean dope sick. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 withdrawing. And I was trying to find something to hold me over through the day, and I found this pad, this piece of paper. So I went to the, the pharmacy down the street, and... And you committed fraud. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> <laughs> Undermine that. Wait, you yeah. wrote it out yourself? No, it was already written out. Oh. But it didn't matter. It was... I, I intentionally okay. handed it over. So you committed fraud. Yes. You, you pled not guilty when you knew damn well that you were guilty. I forget what my plead was, but I was fighting it, and my 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 lawyer ultimately got me uh, a sentence um, of 11 and a half months to 23, but I was going to serve 30 weekends and six months house arrest is what it equated to. Oh, so you had ample opportunity to put your prison pocket to use. And that's exactly one of the reasons why I um, ended up going to prison.
So every uh, every little weekend release, yeah, you yeah. load up the prison pocket all day long, <laughs> which, which, was, which was really just prolonging the inevitable. Because when I got sober, I actually had to have hemorrhoid surgery because my asshole doubled as a suitcase for so many years. <laughs> Yeah, what, what's, the, what's the most you put up there? Uh, I would just, it wasn't about how much, it was really the way that I put it up there. Like, it was just raw and just rough. It was like a raping. Aggressive. Yeah, very aggressive. Like a sack of rocks. What was your process, though? Did you have to, like, make a little, uh, uh, what they call a bullet? Dude, my process was just quick and fast. Yeah, like, I'd sure. sit in the parking lot of the jail, and my buddy would drop me off, and I'd rip off the cigarette pack. Uh, the, the the cellophane mm -hmm. and I'd throw the bags in there and I'd take a lighter and I'd light that mm -hmm. to Jesus. make this which is a, think about the edge like a burnt yeah. wet, and then just yeah. spit on it and just shove it up <laughs> yeah it's like a, a butthole key bump <laughs> just spit on it yeah really Dude. enjoyed that a lot yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, dude, one time we were on tour with Fuckface Unstoppable, and, and I, I was, we were in Europe, and, and I, we happened to be in this area where they sold a lot of smack, and I didn't have any money. I'm like, bam, give me a hundred bucks. And he's like, fuck no, I know what you want it for. And I wouldn't leave him alone, and he's like, um, he's like, shove this rock up your ass, I'll give you a hundred bucks. <laughs> I shoved the rock up my ass. A real friend. <laughs> <laughs> he really cared about my well-being that day. And uh, we have all this on footage, too, oh, actually. Oh, thank just, God. So, so uh, I then go get the heroin, forget about the rock being up my ass, and, and I... <laughs> Wait, whoa, hold on a second. You forgot the rock was up yeah, your ass? Yeah, yeah, because I'm, like, comatose at this point. Yeah. hundred bucks worth of smacks, like... Yeah. So we do the show... <laughs> And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I would open up for Fuckface, and I would come out as uh, Phil Collins. You know Phil Collins, that song, In the Air of the Night? Yeah. Because I, I would go on tour with those guys, but I was just the fucking biggest asshole because I, there was no relevance or connection with me with the tour. Like, I played no music. I was in no instruments. I mean, I'm not going to go that far. I, there was absolutely a relevance and a connection. Like, you're, you know... You're in, you're, in, you're in Bam's world, and it's like uh, you're opening up the show with with craziness. The show is all about being crazy. Well, I wasn't in. I wasn't opening it yet. This is the build up to where I found my my place in that tour bus because I would just like Bam was about it, and I'm his best friend, so he just let me do whatever. But the rest of the guys in the band who actually cared about playing music fucking couldn't stand me because I just like made life hell, and they had to endure my shit. Was Jess in the band? Jess, Chad. Uh, oh, wow, Chad Ginsburg. And Chad actually came up with this idea. They're like, Novak, you have to do something besides just be hell for us. So why don't you, like, open up for us? And I'm like, all right, but I don't play any, have no, like... You're like G.G. Allen. So here we go. <laughs> you did, you spot it, you got it. And he gets it. <laughs> so, so we're like, all right, instead of Phil Collins, you're going to be Pill Collins. And, and you're going to open up and you're going to come out on stage with like, if it's at 18 and over, you'll be naked. But if it's, or if it's a 21 and over, you'll be naked. But if it's 18 and over, you have to wear a pair of thongs, a bottle of wine, because that's all I drank, and the cigs, and, and just lip song. I mean, I'd sing along karaoke the in the air of the night and just throw my wine and fucking smoke and just be a Gigi Allen and intro the band. And as the big like doo -doo 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 would come on i didn't throw bam and he'd run out and drop kick me and then the fucking concert would kick off 
Did did you get any permanent damage from being drop kicked by Bam? Not that I'm aware of. I know that Dave England is acutely aware of. Really? He finally it. just had surgery on his neck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I think heroin helped me out in a lot of those <laughs> ways. Bendy. Yeah, it was like a fucking like a wet noodle in a fucking DUI crash. <laughs> That's why they always live. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so I. I'm now designated to be this guy who opens up for the band and 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 while I'm doing the concert and bam jump kicks me this fucking rock shoots out of my ass and I start bleeding <laughs> I start bleeding all over the fucking concert like for how, real How big was this rock I was just like like that And did you have to spit on it to get it in uh, I'm sure I spit on everything to get in my ass. It was just like that. I came in and do that. So, so it wasn't quite a pool ball. <laughs> not, not, not quite a cue ball. That'd be impressive though. But but absolutely a golf yeah, ball. Yeah, it was like it was like that. It was a golf ball. You know, you know who filmed it? Chris Siegel. He was on that tour oh, with us. Oh, Chris, yeah, And yeah, he yeah. has the footage. So my fiance at the time was on tour with us. And you had a fiance at the time. That's why. Yeah, she's now no longer. She died when she died. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. She had. She came to her fucking senses and was like, "Dude, why am I with you?" Like, right. so, so she is like this really good woman, and we end up. They take me to the hospital. And Chris is filming the whole thing, and they have me in this room, and all these doctors come in. They're making their rounds. And did I'm telling you, the story. Did you have the rock to show the doctors? No, nah, the rock was long gone, but I was explaining the story. And Man, that rock would probably be worth something today. <laughs> it was worth a hundred bucks that one day to my asshole. So I'm like, dude, I, I, I put this rock up my ass and, and it's bleeding profusely. And, and they're looking at it and my ex-fiance is there and she's like, this is, this is, you're, you're his ex-fiance? And she's like, yeah. And they say, could you come outside the room for a second? And they bring her out and... And they're saying, he's saying it's from a rock, which has caused this, like, profuse bleeding and, and, and inflammatory situation. This isn't from a rock. It's from years and years of damage. Like, if you could, like yeah. how could you be his fiance and he's enduring years of fucking damage to his asshole? <laughs> Alluding to the fact that I might have been a homosexual <laughs> and that I was lying. <laughs> Wow. When you were on tour all those years, were there ever stops where you just couldn't find any dope? Or yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Mm. That didn't scare you from touring like that? Because like when I was so strung out, I just didn't go anywhere. Because I, I had this fear that I would just be dope sick everywhere I went. That's Vinny. But for me, I'll tell you, I will not go anywhere without my fume. Because I love it. It's a diffusive device that flavors air. And I love it. What's it for? It's for ditching bad habits. And I think right now you're listening to an episode of a podcast which inspires change, positive change to become a happier, healthier you. And there's just about no better way than to affect this positive change than by trying fume. This Diffusive device is a way to replace nasty bad habits with positive good habits. And we got a killer deal for the listeners of the Wild Ride podcast. If it's time and you know it to drop that filthy, nasty habit that you're embarrassed of, then go to tryfume.com and use the promo code Stevo to get 10% off your journey pack. The journey pack. This is 
the journey that you're getting on to a happier, healthier you without that nasty, bad habit that you're so embarrassed about that makes people have no respect for you. So let people respect you and respect yourself by going to tryfume.com and using the promo code Stevo for 10% off your journey pack. And by the way, I love these so much. I love this device so much. I don't go anywhere without it. And if you see me in public, ask me if it's in my pocket. And if it's not, I'll do your, your little shout out video for your dumb buddies because that's because that's the kind of guy I am. Now, go to tryfume.com and use the promo code Stevo and let's get back to it. Well, if we're going to weigh the scales of justice here, it was much easier to go without heroin in Finland than be in Baltimore letting men blow me for 10 bucks. <laughs> for sure. So, you know what I mean? It was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Ah, I'll just endure it because I'll get paid out of it and I'll just make it happen on the next go around. <laughs> There's no justice in that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we weighed nothing. You started off sounding really smart. I was expecting I was going to get some like oh, data points. Nothing. Fucking crickets to my guy. Yeah, that was not, there was no justice weighed there. But that's my, you know, justification right. of... So, so that was a go-to moneymaker in Baltimore, letting guys blow you. Yeah. But what about, what about guys that wanted you to blow them? It it never happened. It never. Oh, we lost eye contact when you said that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's go to the scale of justice here. Oh, fucking Tony Robbins Jr. over here. Set the record Liberty over here. I gotta believe that in that situation, it's like, all right, well, if if a, a guy blowing you is ten bucks, you know, maybe like hey, if I'm gonna. Yeah. If you're going to be the blower, totally. then that's got to, you know, everything, everything's got a price. Why do heroin addicts always, like, itch their nose? Is that a thing? Like, Dude, they're I always, itch, like... I used to itch everything. It wasn't yeah, just my yeah. nose. That's that uh, opiates are mm. called itchy and scratchies. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yep. Mm. I, and I was never really into it. it. It was annoying to me to be itching. I would take these morphine pills and... And I was just like, man, I don't want... When would you take these morphine pills? You didn't get addicted? Like, that's pretty rare. I, mean, I would, uh, I would take morphine pills when I, when I was given them. I, I, I loved it. I loved it. That was just, he would get annoyed with having to itch for morphine pills. But I, I can recall vividly being locked in a hotel with him and, and like him not like really letting us leave the room until we watched footage of him and being yeah. terrified of him seeing us out of eyesight. And he just, that annoyed, itching annoyed him. Yeah, yeah. God forbid he itches. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I'm the bad guy here. Yeah. Yeah, you've always been like that, huh? Yeah. Imagine, imagine how bad it was before. Dude, I remember being... Okay, so walk us through uh, some, some prison pocket stuff. Like we're, oh, we're, okay, yeah. We're particularly fascinated because yeah. you, you might be aware about Vinny's experience mm. with the prison pocket. I am, I am. Did you see yeah. his, his reenactment of it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I did. God bless you, man. Yeah, that was, a, that was a rough one. It, that that reenactment was it was a lot bigger of a package than uh, when I went into jail. Yeah, a criminally underviewed video on my YouTube I know, channel. Dude. Shocking I know. demonstration of how to smuggle things into prison. Yeah, the times are changing, maybe boys. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's suppressed. Yeah, maybe. People are like, I don't know. So here's how, so I negotiate the 11 and a half to 23, 30 weekends, six months house arrest, right? Um, 
while we're doing that, I'm still getting high. The fucking the suitcase, aka my asshole, is in full effect. Every Friday, I load it up with drugs, get in, sniff them, sleep my weekend away, discharge Sunday night. Monday night, religiously, we have that radio show on Sirius Satellite. Yeah, Radio Bam. I forget, you know, it was uh, a, a room, uh, maybe two times the size of this, and it's just like this, and there's a guy working the boards, and I forget that we're going live to the nation the majority of the time, and we'd be drinking, drugging, whatever, and you just forget. You feel like you're talking to your buddies. And uh, I, I proceeded on one of these episodes to talk about how the um, the COs, the white shirts of, of George W. Hill, the, the, the facility I was incarcerated in at the time, um, were worthless and how my dead grandmother could do a better job than them and how I was uh, in particular sneaking my drugs in on the weekend. <laughs> wow. So that was a Monday night. I then go back on a Friday and, and they say, Mr. Novak, <clears throat> get over here when they're doing roll call for the intake. And I'm like, what? So they pull me out of this line. They put me in the other line. They then put me in uh, the intake wing uh, of just the regular population of the jail. And, and I'm in the cell and I do my drugs and Saturday, I'm just thinking it's a mix-up, maybe, I don't know what's wrong, but there's a bang on the door, and there's one of those white shirts I was talking about, and they said, come with us, and they take me into this control room where there's a whole bunch of white shirts, white shirts, all sergeants in there. They're standing in a circle, and they put me, like, in the middle, and, and there's a <laughs> one who's sitting, like, in the corner on a computer, and he will not look at me. And he could tell he's the boss. And he starts repeating verbatim what I said on that radio show <laughs> yeah. as the other ones just start smacking me around. Oh, smacking around. Did they, uh, did they investigate your pocket? Did they, uh... no, no, they did. What they did was they, uh, so you had a fully loaded butthole. I had already did it at that point because I had uh, made it in. But okay. they revoked my situation right there, basically, and made my next year a living hell and that jail actually was uh rated one of the most corrupt jails um because it was privately owned at the time it's mm. now publicly owned so there, there was no more storage no no that there was no more release dates for me I, I and what they would do is they would move me to these different blocks first they put me um in in the shoe special housing unit where it's 23 out uh, 23 and one I'm locked in a cell 20 hours a day. I can come out one hour a day, one day, uh, three days a week um, to get a shower. And they unlock you. And you could only have a, a Bible if you had one. No reading materials, no commentary. And this is right in the beginning. So I'm, I'm detoxing from methadone, Xanax, and heroin at the same time. And I'm hallucinating. I'm thinking that the, the warden is sleeping with my ex-fiance. I'm, I'm thinking that I'm on The Price is Right. Um, I'm feeding this imaginary pig that I named Minson and Minson? I Minson. Yeah. And I have this Sully <laughs> and his name streets. He's this, uh, Muslim jihad guy, great guy. And he like caught me jerking off one day on the top cell. He's like, yo, you jerking off? I'm like, yeah, He's like, I feel some kind of fucking way about that. Not like any particular way, but just some kind of way. <laughs> like, it's a little vague. Give me a little direction here. Are you mad? Are you, you happy? Where are we going with this? Jesus. And then so they put me from there to another block. And then once they realized they couldn't do anything more with me, they revoked my time. They would then come and they'd rip all the cell blocks apart just to make the other prisoners mad at me. Because any block they put me on meant that I was hot and they were going to disrupt the block. You know? Hmm. 
So how long did it take you to detox in there? Uh, in jail, it's easier to detox, you know, because you just accept the fact that, like, this is it. So, I mean, I was probably good within, like, two to three weeks. Mm. And then now, that's that's where I found out that Dunn had passed while I was on that. Oh, wow. When I was doing that bid. Now, when you're locked up and you're done detoxing, do you have the thought, I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. Like, I, I'm done with this life. I, I'm never going back to that shit. No. I was done with heroin and cocaine, but I was going to drink. Yeah. That was my plan. So it sounds like <clears throat> that was uh, not while filming number two, but while filming number three. That very, it was one of them, yeah. Yeah. My timeline's a little... So you didn't do any, you didn't drink or do drugs for the rest of that bid? I did cocaine one time. In jail? Mm, With another celly of mine whose name was Jihad. He was a a Muslim guy. And we were, it was during the the month of Ramadan and we were fat, I was fasting with him and like doing the prayers and. And cocaine. And then one day he brought a bag of coke in and we like sat up all night and did coke, which is the worst (laughs) thing to do in jail. Was it good? It was fucking hell. Like, it's like doing coke on a plane. It's no fun. I had a lot of fun doing cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, me, no. I could see you, like, loving that and just turning I, into a party. I remember, like, during takeoff, because the plane's, like, kind of more loud, and like, you know, like, during takeoff, I'd be, like, right in my seat. Oof. Right in my seat. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a, a good amount of, of juicy uh, war stories. I, I, we, all, we, we love that here. <laughs> Have you had any like super close, like uh, overdose calls? Fuck yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. that was kind of like a that was my goal every day was to like touch, overdose. Touch you know, yeah. anything but the dreaded underdose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So true. For sure. <laughs> so so true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I figured out the method to like the the easiest and most sure way to overdose and that was 180 milligrams of methadone and like three bars of Xanax. Jesus. Dude. When you say you're That's detoxing so from methadone and heroin <laughs> Yeah. Reminds me of the time I met Bobcat Goldthwaite. Oh, and, uh, boy. And, and he says, he offered me a, a, a piece of Nicorette, like, um, the, you know, the quit smoking gum. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, no, 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 I'm good, dude. I don't want that. Like, I was like, what, are you quitting smoking? He says, no, nah, I smoke too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like, uh, he just loves it. You know, I can't get enough nicotine. Yeah. My sponsor's like that. Can't just all the the chew the gum the patch and smoke and smokes. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, <laughs> like, dude? I can't get enough. Is that is that comparable to being on heroin and taking methadone? It, well, you can't really do it together. One kind of blocks out the other. Right. The methadone was more of just a a, a safety net. Yeah. Well, like, they give it to you for free, right? If you're in the <laughs> clinic. Yeah. Yeah. But I was. Like I kind of knew, believe it or not, I knew better than I knew that that was not the right avenue to take to make things better. What go get it for free? Just to be on the clinic. Methadone uh, in general. They call it liquid. Yeah. They call it liquid handcuffs. Liquid it's handcuffs. super gnarly. My mom's been on it for like thirty years. Still? Yeah, she's still on it. Yeah. And it sounds like it probably works for your mom. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, she it it definitely does work yeah. for her. Like she hasn't like touched a needle in fucking twenty five years. But I mean, she will be on it for the rest of her life. What's that documentary? About methadone. 
It's so <coughs> gnarly. Methadonia, maybe? Methadonia. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly what it is. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Is that a gnarly documentary? Yeah, and if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, but I think the uh, like the methadone like it soaks into your bones, too, so it's a lot harder to detox the, from methadone. I, the, I, remember, I remember literally trying to knock myself out like banging my head on the cement because the pain was so bad yeah. and this is why it fucks with your psyche yeah for for seven days I, I laid in my house and I was withdrawing and I was feeling better and better and better as time went on and then on that eighth day I plummeted mm-hmm. and felt like worth you know what I mean like right it just messed with your mind when you think that things should get better mm-hmm. just like quite the contrary it gets tenfold worse and yeah. I, I couldn't I literally was banging my head on the cement yeah it's tough so you got off methadone yeah, by force in there. Yeah, I really don't have any options. Suboxone is mm-hmm. like a pill form of yeah. methadone. Yeah. And then what's the other one? There's a Subutex. Subutex. Yeah. I mean, Sublocade is the shot. Yes. Yeah. Do you sponsor guys that are on Suboxone? Because if I talk to a guy and they're like, well, I'm on Suboxone, I'm like, I can't even fuck with you. You know what I don't mess with is gimmicky, overpriced shaving products. And that's why I stick with Harry's. They're the shaving company with the highest satisfaction in the whole industry. And that's because they've got the highest quality German engineered razors and they're at the most affordable price. I love Harry's. I've been using them for years and I'm never going to stop, ever. Plus, They've got a killer deal for you, man. This starter kit, it's got the weighted ergonomic handle, the five-blade razor, the traveling shave cover, the foaming shave gel. It's a $13 value for just three bucks, man. You get it for three bucks, and that's how cool Harry's is. Plus, an awesome subscription service, so you don't even have to think about it. You just get your products automatically, and you can cancel the subscription at any time. And keep in mind, they've got the risk-free money-back guarantee. That's how awesome Harry's is. I love them. I'm never going to use anything else. And get this deal by going to harrys.com slash stevo. Hurry up while you can get that starter kit for just three bucks. And the way to do it, harrys.com slash stevo. You're gonna love it. Now, let's get back to it. I, I sponsor anybody. Really? Really. I've sponsored guys that are like actively smoking herb but want to quit alcohol. I th- I personally, and it's just my opinion, which doesn't really mean <laughs> much, but I think that anyone can benefit from the knowledge. Yeah. Fair and, point. And who am I to say when it will be for it to take? You know, looking back in my first treatment center, when I went there strictly to prove a point why I didn't belong, there was a piece of knowledge that was shared with me then that was like forever going to impact me later. And when the time arrived where things aligned, it all made sense and it stemmed from that one saying. I can relate to that. Hmm. My first time in rehab was 1995. I was 20. And uh, this counselor says something along the lines of, you know, look around, like, there's 12 of you, only 10 are going to make it, or something like that, or like 95% of alcoholics never achieve long-term sobriety. And I just thought, like, well, then, you know, then screw that. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. You know, like, if I was really into the idea, I got a 5% chance, like, forget it. And um, those statistics, that thing that was said in that rehab in 1995, like, kept me loaded 
until the point that it kept me sober. Yeah. Because when I finally got like the just the willingness when I was in that psych ward after Knoxville's intervention, I was like, man, okay, I'm going to do this. But I remembered those statistics. And I remember going into the rehab and saying, look, I know that the odds are not in my favor. I want to give myself every advantage I possibly can. So however long you recommend I be here, I want to stay considerably longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Dr. Drew who was in charge of the rehab. And he said, that's great, but if you're really, you know, serious, he says, I don't recommend you stay here for more than 30 days, but I do recommend after 30 days here, you go into a sober living. Mm-hmm. And I stayed in sober living until I had two years of sobriety. And again, it was just because, dude, like, I know those statistics, man. I want to be in that 5%. Yeah. I want to be, you know. The perspective I re- changed. I, I remember when uh, when you d- did the Rip Ride podcast when I was producing that one. And um, <coughs> I was like, are you not even a year sober, still living in sober living. And I just wanted to leave. I was like, oh, I, I want to get the fuck out of this house. And I remember asking you, I was like, why did you stay in sober living for two years? And what you said, like, struck a chord with me. You're like... I want to give myself the best chance of long-term sobriety. Yeah. So I was, and so when you said that, it really like made me think. And I stayed for three years. Yeah. So killer. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody who stayed in sober living until they had two years of sobriety who's not still sober mm-hmm. today. And uh, the the crazy thing too, you know what you just said that you were like, you know, antsy, like got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. You know, those moments where I felt like super uncomfortable and I got to get out of here were specifically the moments that I needed to be there the yeah. most. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because totally. it was 100% yeah. just the disease mm-hmm. yeah. just sitting on my shoulder and be like, dude, you got to get out of here. Yeah. Come on, you got to get out of here. I was 100% going to get loaded if I wasn't yeah. in sober living at those moments. Yeah. And so thank God I was there. And all of the rest of the time, God damn, life was so simple back then. <laughs> life was so simple, yeah, man. Yeah. All I had yeah. to do was just get through the day. Mm-hmm. Like, I had just lost, like, you know, half or more than half of whatever savings I had because I got sober in 2008. You know, it was the financial crisis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The financial crisis just wiped my Oof. shit out. Like, and, and somehow I was not even, like... I don't remember being gripped by financial fear. I was just, life was just super simple. Mm-hmm. Dude, I mean, at that time, for you and then for me later on, all that was expected in early sobriety was for, my only job was to stay sober. And people right. didn't even believe I could do that. <laughs> right. And they're like, yeah. you know, and then once I stayed sober, now like there's tons of responsibilities and, and things. I want to ask yeah. you guys' opinion on uh, Matthew Perry dying in the bathtub. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, at 54, dying in a bathtub, is that kind of like a... Uh, I think that... Was that... Uh, who's the girl that died in the bathtub? Whitney Houston? No. Whitney Houston died in a bathtub. But they said that was from cocaine, and she got into a hot bathtub, and like it caused her heart to stop. Uh, I, right, Joey Aaron, Diaz was saying something like that. Aaron, Aaron Carter, Carter died in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. So when somebody dies in a bathtub, I mean, how do you... Or I a hot tub. more. I think there's more... Like bathtubs and hot tubs, man. How do you uh, do? You know anybody that died in a hot tub? The the chick from Eight Mile, Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy. Did Mm -hmm. she die in a bathtub? I don't know. I think she was a. I don't know if it was in a bathtub, but that was an overdose, right? Type in celebrities who have died in a bathtub or a hot tub. Wonder if we're here anyone dying in an ice bath. 
<laughs> I don't think you're going to hear that. No way, dude. Grim <laughs> <laughs> Hoff no dies. Like, like, no, dude. Like, like, actually, people are overdosing. They're flopping around. They're about to die. They get tossed in an ice bath. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's changes their life. Yeah, it's like yeah. the, the healthy Narcan. Yeah. <laughs> Like the green yeah, I mean, juice so, of Narcan. So what is that? Is that like you're 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 fucked up, like drunk, and you fall asleep, or you're I mean, on pills and you pass out, or I mean, hair, what? I, I, mean, I, I apologize for interrupting you. I'm I'm very very mindful about that. I care about the audience. I care you're, about you're the, mindful about apologizing, but you still interrupt. <laughs> Not so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being funny, but you're getting right. you didn't interrupt me there. Not I'm not, like I'm I'm so much better, and I really care about it. With that said, <laughs> with that said, with that said, I think that nobody is dying, drowning in a hot tub sober. at fifty-four years old, and they're clean and sober. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I I've been fucking shit-faced in the hot tub, and like I'm not, you know, like you wake up or. I mean, they said already today that they that there was no illegal drugs on the scene, but in the house there was all kinds. Yeah, of, and I uh, could I think they even said there was no drugs in his system. That's, we don't know that we for don't months. know that yet we don't know oh, that for, for months. months until okay. toxicology comes back so in months they'll probably say yeah there's like all these prescription drugs that were on that yeah. were on the scene mm. now <clears throat> here's something i'm glad you brought it up yeah what a shame yeah i'm glad you brought it up there's <clears throat> something about like putting your story out there like waving the flag of sobriety he just had this memoir come out last year I remember when I did the the, the Steve uh, Rise and Demise or Demise and Rise, and it was like I was like, oh man, this is so scary because there's like a really bad track record for celebrities who come out like waving their flag of sobriety, and I'm all good now, you know, like, and uh, I, I was just wanted to be so careful about that, and and it scares me to this day, so. What do you think, Brandon? The way that he's like, oh yeah, you know, like, I mean, I, you're so front and center with Yeah, you. the first of, of, about his untimely death, and it's really unfortunate, I think, is it's it's just so tragic because history has, <laughs> has a, a way and tendency of kind of repeating itself, mm -hmm. generally, if you look at the, the, the analytics of that. And, um, and if that's the case, it's just really sad because it didn't have to be that way, right? Like that's a death that could have been completely unavoided. Uh, and, and it just, I don't know. I don't want to say that I can predict the future. For me, I just love, love, love drugs and alcohol so much. Like insanely amounts of love and, <laughs> and sick, twisted, like relationship that, yeah. that, that and skateboarding were the two things that consumed me 24-7, ate it, breathed it, slept it, dreamt it, couldn't get enough of both. And then, you know, when I got sober, I kind of just carried that mentality of like, I, I, this is just what I do and, and who I am. And I never really thought much about, you know, the pronouncing it to the world and declaring this, I'm this sober guy. But I used very publicly. I, I never, I hit right. it when I had to, but I, I never, that whole, um, you know, um, uh, anonymity wasn't really right. my bag personally. So I'm, I don't know. I, I can, everything that I'm saying, it could be like a complete belief and notion of mine, or it could just be me justifying or deflecting like 
the fact that mm-hmm. maybe it could be a, a slippery slope. For sure, but I also think with like people like you guys, uh, with such a big following, like your guys' story has the potential to reach and help so many people. Like a lot of people look up to you guys, so, and and I, I would have to think a lot of them have some sort of drug addiction or mental whatever whatever they're going through. They see guys it's, like you, you know. It, I think that there are arguments on both sides. For sure. Like yeah, you know, lead by example, mm-hmm. whatever. Like inspire people by 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 walking the walk. However, it it gets really murky when you are uh, pumping your sobriety out there to benefit, um, like with power, property and prestige Mm -hmm. big, you know, like when, you know, and, and it just kind of felt like his memoir was like, like the, the way he was promoting it. I don't know. They felt kind of felt kind of weird. Well, they say you know that my history states that every time that I was consumed with the money, the property, and the prestige, I always was diverted from the primary purpose, which was to simply just stay sober, right? Because I I had become um, completely sidelined with the the glitz and the glamour, the the women, the the places, the things, and really all I was doing was just filling this internal void with that external solution. And, and there's no substance there. It always kind of... Yeah. Okay. At, at your guys' level, I feel like it'd be hard to be anonymous. I mean, what do you... Right. What yeah, do you, I mean, I don't what know. Do you do? And, and, and here I am being a total hypocrite because we're talking about sobriety and, and putting it out there. And, you know, like, it gets very, very blurry. Um, I think that my approach is just to not have that be, like, just my thing. You know, yeah. like I remember um, before I got sober, James Hetfield from Metallica, he got sober. They had that some kind of monster Metallica documentary. I remember that. And it was like, as much as it was a documentary about them finding a new bassist, recording a new album, it really was a documentary about James Hetfield's early recovery. And it showed him like super vulnerable, super afraid, and like, he put that out there in the world, but he didn't start writing songs about the 12 steps, mm-hmm. you know, like it was like he put that out there in the world and then he moved on mm-hmm. and like was Metallica. He wasn't like, hey, I'm Mr. 12 step guy. He was James Hetfield from Metallica. Yeah. And I really latched on to that, you know, like I took that as my inspiration to put that Steve-O demise and rise out there. It was out there, and then I just went back to being like Steve-O, you know, doing my jackass thing, you know. And um, by having that kind of a balance and keeping my professional life about, like, my professional life kind of separate from, you know, from recovery. That's why when you reached out to me, Brandon, about doing some gig, and, uh, and it was like, oh, it was all about recovery. And I was like, yo, dude, just because they're selling tickets for it, yeah, like, yeah. I just can't, you know, I can't, I can't. And like, I get that. Makes complete yeah. sense to me. I get and but then, and then I kind of look at it sometimes from the perspective of like, you know, in reco- my recovery and in the whole harm reduction world, it's like there's, there's no margin for error, yet it's impossible to do perfect. 
And like usually when I find myself in these positions where I fucked up just the right amount, it takes me back to like my relationship with my higher power, which is where the real work comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is kind of where I'm at now because, um, you know, I opened that facility. And I mean, how many sober livings do you have now? Six. Six sober livings and with, a rehab? Yeah. Yeah. You have an inpatient rehab as well? Yeah. Wow, good for you. Redemption. That's sick. Addiction so, treatment. I love it. Yeah. So, but, so with that, right, like my defects, I'm a 44-year-old single man that lives with three cats, and, and my defects are like I'm not great at relationships. So when you were saying to, to Mr. Randolph here, I hear you and I'm sorry, that's my like five days a week to all my employees. They're like, you want to know what your defects are? Get into a fucking relationship. So God's like, all right, I'm going to give you like a facility and you're going to have to make all of your, your employees happy and you're going to have to make them seen and, and feel heard and let them know that their opinion matters. And, and you know, all the stuff that I'm not great at being a single selfish man a lot hmm. of times. What about like people who attack you? Like on social media and so I've, I've seen some, some sure. comments where people are like oh Brandon maybe even uh, Bam was attacking you in this way mm-hmm. and that's like how you know but like every time Brandon Novak puts somebody in rehab he's getting paid by their insurance mm-hmm. like, like you're like mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever called you like a Florida shuffle guy <laughs> but but <laughs> but then it's like so profiting off putting people in uh, the rehab, what was it called, Banyans? Yeah, 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 is who I worked with before. And then, and then it's like, and then getting these houses for sober living where he's got the, he's got the, the, the drug addict residents who are living in the sober livings, like paying the mortgage so that he can own the houses. You're a real estate yeah. tycoon. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, what I know is that like, you know, hurt people hurt people right right and so i i totally and i've been where people like that are at right i've seen me do the same thing so i get that um and truth be told it's just couldn't be farther from reality like um there nowhere in this world does an insurance company cut you a check for sending someone to rehab like it just doesn't work that way um, so that's just not, you don't get a finder's fee. No, that's like insanely illegal. Dude, a, a mentor in the program started, he was the first guy to start. <clears throat> um, we were walking and talking and he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, when they started doing like the 40, $50,000 a month sober living, he's like, I started that. And I was like, oh, don't you feel bad about like, you know, people, he's like, no, why would I? He's like, people will pay 40, $50,000. Staying alive is expensive. And that's how he justified in his head. And he has the biggest rehabs in the world and he's like he's at peace with it sure and and even the the whole piece about you, you know you, you get the mortgage on the house and you've got the sober living business paying the mortgage bills like i mean when people go to sober living they got to pay for, for the sober living absolutely and so if that is going to be a mortgage as opposed to a rent then big whoop because they're going to pay it anyway and so if you're smart enough to end up at the end of the run with the houses and you own the houses because you're able to use the houses to help people with the sober living then screw it you own a bunch of houses that's right screw it 
As a man in recovery, Brandon Novak has no issues with his business practices around his sober livings. And, I might add, as a man in recovery myself, I have no issues with my practices using Blue Chew tablets. That's right, man. Doesn't even factor into the equation. When I want to be intimate with my lady and perform at my highest level, that's gosh dang darn right. I will take a Blue Chew tablet, maybe even two, and I'll chew them up about a half an hour later. You can bet I am very intimate with my lady. That's how it works, man. And if you want to try it, which I think you might, because who doesn't want to perform at their highest level? If you do, then the good news is you can get an entire month's supply of Blue Chew tablets absolutely for free. All you pay is five bucks for shipping. And man, you go to bluechew.com, use the promo code Stevo, consult with the medical provider so everything's above board. You got your prescription in a matter of moments, and boom, an entire month's supply of Blue Chew tablets on its way to you absolutely for free. All you pay is five bucks for shipping. Simple as that. Just go to bluechew.com and use the promo code Stevo. Now, let's get back to it. So that's exactly my play. Complete transparency and authenticity right here. I, I <clears throat> The six houses that I own, um, they cost no more. I think the most I paid for any of them was 270 right? And these are five-bedroom, three-bathrooms, kind of old Victorian historic houses in Wilmington, Delaware. I charge <clears throat> each guy, there's no more than 10 people to a house. Um, and each of those individuals pays $180 a week rent. Now, are you strictly cash? Yes, strictly okay. cash, no insurance. Yeah, and that's the cheapest around. Yes. Yeah, for um, sure. And no insurance. And I provide scholarships for the first month for any of the client in need. Um, because I understand that we don't end up there by way of fucking financial freedom, right? Mm, like, yeah. that's quite the contrary. So, although costs me a little bit on the front end I'm losing on the back end as long as I give them that month to kind of focus on their foundation of their recovery the sobriety and really their structure of, of long-term sobriety they end up staying there for what I suggest is a minimum of a year because that's what I did wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel just redoing what worked for me mm -hmm. I don't have the answer here I just know what my story looked like and um, and they stay and they become consistent payers of rent and what happens is I've pulled money out of those houses twice, and that was just in the beginning when I left Banyan to open up Redemption um, to pay my bills because I no longer had this income coming in. And those clients pay the mortgage. I don't even know what's in the accounts. So that it, the money that it costs for me to get the house is the upfront money. Once it's yeah. open and full, the clients pay the mortgage. Now, if you left treatment and you were going to move into an apartment, you need a minimum of $10,000 to mm -hmm. do that. A minimum upfront furniture first month last month security deposit right good yeah. credit to get things turned on in your name generally addicts burn those bridges and no one's going to co-sign for them <laughs> yeah. right so I, mean, I offer that if somebody came to me and was like you know I'll give you fifty thousand dollars for your house to turn it into rehab a month I'd be like it's a no-brainer dude 100% <laughs> yeah. so my end game there is I don't even know I swear to God I have no idea what's in that account now my end game is that I can do one of three things I could sell it as a franchise, I could just own the properties outright, or I could 
uh, let someone else run it and and let them just kind of do and I just stop in and run you know run courses yeah. or groups. What does it look like for people in these sober livings? Like, how often are they being drug tested? So there's each house has a house manager. They're, the way they pay their rent is mm -hmm. by living there free and baby babysit basically babysitting the, the clients in the house. They have curfews. They have to attend five meetings a week. They have to have a sponsor. They have to actively be seeking um, employment chores. Chores. They have to work with their sponsors on the steps. Um, and every Sunday night we have a, a check in and we go around and see who's where. Are you paying rent? Are you behind? What step are you on? What's your sponsor's name? What's his number? We yeah. call them. This actually November fourth, we're going to be having our our, our three year anniversary party, hmm. which is uh, it's for, for uh, house one. Uh, just yeah, for the first one opened literally November fourth, three years ago. Now each house is AA mandatory. Any any mandatory any, any, any yeah, kind, just any, some program some yeah okay. yeah mm -hmm. because you know there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat per for se. Sure. Um, I think. And for me, when I hear people say, hey, I'm, I'm Brandon, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, it's like saying, hi, I'm Brandon, I'm a dog, I'm a German Shepherd. <laughs> it's like, personally, it's just kind of one and the same. Um, and it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to to go from that guy who used to shove rocks up his ass for a hundred bucks uh, and, and, and just do a lot of really unkind things to human beings to, to hopefully leave this legacy of, of Novak's house, which just prides itself on literally helping any man in need as long as we have a bed are so. you uh, are you strictly male or are you co-ed uh, co male yeah, yeah. co-ed's a whole other thing and that's yeah. why i created redemption right it wasn't because it was a money grab um it's a whole different beast and as i evolve as a person it's like now i'm in the world of like um hiring a psych practitioner mm -hmm. a medical director a clinical director and and i have a billing company that deals with the insurance companies which they're like mobsters in itself but yeah. that's a whole other conversation for a different time but I saw, unfortunately, that the demand was there. My houses are full. There's a waiting list. I, I just didn't have more. And I'm like, dude, I've been around. I've been sober long enough to really believe that I can fucking do anything that I want. I could become a brain surgeon if I want. No doubt in my mind. And I'm like, I can do more and, and be better and help more. So I created Redemption. And just it's just basically my house is on steroids. Do you, <laughs> How do people apply to get, to get into your place? The facility? Yeah. <clears throat> just call. It's a, it's a treatment center. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can call, you can go to the I'm trying website. to keep all up a plug for you. No, nah, nah. I'm terrible at selling my shit. <laughs> hey, I'm just talking about shoving rocks up asses. <laughs> Do you have any future plans for like detoxes, outpatients, anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll expand. I'll grow. Um, yeah. Right now, I'm just trying to make sure that like my employees are happy. It's a startup. I've invested every dollar that I have. My three credit cards are maxed out at the moment. Um, I, I have like just enough in my account to cover my bills this month. I had to give an employee a twenty thousand dollar raise because he took a, a thirty thousand uh, dollar decrease in pay to come work for us. You know, so it's just like a I'm really learning how to take people's feelings into consideration. Hmm. It's tough. Yeah, it's like I had to step out on faith like it's easy to say like I, I believe in God or my higher power because God can be a discouraging word but like let me see you like show me how much you believe and that's what I did what, what are some of the random ways people do to like pass drug tests because there's some things that like people do like they pour Gatorade in there and it's like and it passes and you know have you seen Gatorade any? really my brother did that like in the 90s you pour it in there and it's like yeah he's clean <laughs> And I'll, yeah. But it's blue. 
Well, no, it's well. The thing yellow. is, though, it's like like we we pissed the guys and women, but it, the the piss test don't even really matter because the behaviors are gonna tell you when you're fucking up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're. I mean, it's good to know, and we for clinical perspectives, we have to document it, and they have to like really let like that's the professional way. But I. I Thursday, dude, last week was tough, man. Thursday, uh, three clients decided they were going to go out and smoke crack and do heroin. <laughs> and then within like a 10-hour span, we had to, to isolate them. We had to separate them from the rest of the clients because that can be like a, a disease that it, they kind of manifest throughout and pollutes the whole community. Mm -hmm. um, two chose to go to rehab. A 19-year-old kid just thought it was a better idea to walk down the street and continue to smoke crack. And that's like a sad thing because the kid has a, a, a history of just overdosing. Um, so we deal with that. We process that Friday in group. And then Friday night, another guy decides he's going to go and do heroin and overdoses and, and the ambulance has to be called and, and they have to give Narcan. And that's like really traumatic for people early in sobriety. And, and I didn't know that I was signing up for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah they say when you get sober, <clears throat> buy a suit. Totally. Because you're going to have to go to a lot for of For sure. Funerals. Yeah. And unfortunately, fucking weddings. Have you had any like serious tragedies at your house? Um, Dude, so okay, so the one that the anniversary, the, the three year anniversary that we'll have this uh, November fourth, will be in dedication to three of our residents that died. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. Died in in the house. While in the house, wow. one in the house, yeah. but the other two, yeah, out, but lived at the house, and yeah. that's everybody carries a message. You know, of for what sure. to do or what not to do. And, but for the grace of God, there go I. And, and that, you know, what initially upset me and turned me off about the program now incentivizes me and motivates me to be more proactive in my deal, to secure that so I'm not their family coming how to my many, funeral. How many house managers have relapsed in the house? Two. But now we, and since then, We've now have a, a general house manager whose job is to solely oversee the house managers, because okay. we got to a point where so he's we like director we, of operations. Yeah, we were kind of like lackadaisical, foolish on me to believe that like because they're the house manager, they're exempt from. Well, especially when the highest rates of relapse, like, are for people who work in recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My sponsor told me that in the beginning. I'll never forget it. And I said, Crazy. I said, what do you think about this? And he's like, I think it's a bad idea. And I said, why? And he said, because the majority of people that work in treatment relapse. I said, why? And he said, because your work is not your recovery. And your yeah. recovery is not your work. And the moment that line gets blurred, mm -hmm. you're fucked. Yep. But I knew that. And now, like, ignorance is no longer bliss. I, I, I'm to be held accountable for this information that I know. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen scoring drugs in the streets of Baltimore, dude. I, I one night I, I got stabbed. <laughs> one night I got stabbed in the head. I, I, one I, night I got stabbed in the head. <laughs> I was um, I was I was it was upstairs in this abandoned house. I was renting this room from this guy named Slim. It's an abandoned house, but I'd pay him ten dollars a night to sleep in this abandoned house. And it's like four in the morning, and I'm I'm leaving the house to go kind of secure my finances for the day, whether it's robbing, cheating, whatever I have to do. But I'm getting an early start, a, a head start of the day here. We'll go get her. Yeah, right? <laughs> Forward thinker I am. And um, as I walk down the stairs, it's a really sad sight. There's a, uh, a milk crate on the floor, and it's, there's a, a piece of plywood on top of it. 
and there's there's this little Chinese store we would go to because there's no electricity and we would buy these little 10 cent candles. And that room was used to get high and, and I came down at four in the morning and Slim's at the table, uh, this woman Annette and this woman Robin and, and a baby in a carriage and they're smoking crack and the baby's crying. And, uh, and Annette calls me. She said, come here. My other two friends who I was with, they left, they were outside. She said, come here, I want to talk to you. And with that, Robin, who had just, the one, woman with the baby, she had just got out of treatment, so she was pretty, like, had some weight on her. She, she yoked me up and put me in this headlock, and, and, uh, and she's like, give me the money, give me the money. And I had $10 hidden in my sock, and somehow they knew that. I don't know how they knew it. But I refused to give the $10 up. The baby's crying. They're smoking crack. It's 4 in the morning in this really, like, terrible part of Baltimore City. Baby's crying more. I won't give the money. And then finally she says, Robin says, Annette, give me the knife. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And, and Annette hands Robin what I think is a knife, who then proceeds to start stabbing me in the head. Finally, after like the fourth puncture, I, I pull the 10 bucks out and I, I give it to him. And I see that she stabbed me in the head with an ink pen. And I like made it out. Mm. You're like, oh, uh, it's a pen. Give yeah, me back my ten bucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Yes, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, dude. So, uh, so, so business is is good. Unfortunately, it is. Um, we're growing exponentially. We've been met with really open arms, um, and it comes back to the fact that that I'm there every day. I love it. Um, I run the first group every morning at nine a.m. Uh, my office is is like a humongous trigger. I remember I told you I love drugs and alcohol so much that I, I commissioned this photographer and uh, we went back to Baltimore and he shot present day photos of the two corners where I bought all my heroin, which are still active drug shops. Mm. And I had them blown up so big that if you sit in my office, it's like a 3D version of like Google Images. You feel like you're in the hood buying, which probably isn't a great thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just have this sick, twisted, you know. I showed my medical director the other day, the, the psych practitioner, and he's like, you should, you should be, he's like this older African guy. He said, you, you should be very proud of that. And I was not expecting that from him. Yeah. He found it to be motivational. Wait, what's the proximity of all the six houses? I, ironically enough, 13 minutes away from my facility is the first house. <clears throat> the first two houses, which 13 is my lucky number, it's my 13th treatment center I went to. Um, the first two houses are directly across the street from each other. The third house <clears throat> is right at the top of the street. The fourth house is a half a block over. <clears throat> the fifth house is half a block down, and the sixth is across from that. <clears throat> and. I somewhat did that intentionally because I really wanted to, to create a, a sense of community and accountability and for people who are like in the sixth house to interact with the people that are in the first and second house, which are the intake houses, to show them that like what recovery can do. Because when you're in the sixth, fifth, or fourth house, you're established. You have a job, you have a car, you have a girlfriend, things wow. that look appealing <laughs> to early sobriety. Hmm. So, it's, so it's structured such that you come through the house and you progress down the line. Yes. Yeah, yeah. How long do you, uh, until you move into the second or, or the third or the fourth house? It's a case-by-case -case situation. Um, where are you at with the work, with the sponsor, with your rent? Are you actively participating in your sobriety? Do you have a, <clears throat> do you have a home group? Do you, have a, do you have a commitment? You know, a lot of things go into account. 
But what I've learned, and thank God, this is a real privileged problem to have. We don't have a lot of guys that come there and end up relapsing. We have a lot of guys that come there and just think that it's a little too structured for their liking. I remember. Yeah. I remember checking into to Silver Living for the first time and hearing about the curfews and the chores. And, and, this, and I remember thinking, man, I'm being treated like a child. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. this is regular, man. They don't know, like, like, totally. like dude, like a, who I am. And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, God, I'm so glad that I, that I just... Let there, oh yeah, like I should be treated like a child because left to my own devices, it's all bad. For sure. Little did they know, they little did you know, they really knew who you were, right? right. It's like they yeah. don't know who I am, motherfucker. We Big know time. you better than you know Big you. <laughs> I remember too, like uh, living in the sober living, I had a house slip. Like I'd have to go to meetings in there. Like if you've got like a, a house slip, a nud to court card, something that you've got to like document that you're mm -hmm. at the meeting. Then you put it in the basket, you come, and I remember it like, it was a real hit to my ego at times to put my house slip in the basket because I thought that, I thought everybody's looking at me, everybody's just hyper-focused on me, they're gonna see me put my house slip in the basket <laughs> and it's gonna tell them that I'm here because I have to be here because I'm, but I'm not, like I'm, <laughs> I'm in Star Wars 11 because it's my choice, so why do I have the house slip? And, uh, just so glad that I swallowed my pride every time that that was uh, a concern, and I just did it. You know, Little do you it. know, they're probably just like, God damn it, here's another slip, which means I'm going to be later to meet this girl that I have a date with. Like, they could give a fuck less <laughs> why you're there, what house you're in, or what your plan is. Right. Oh, 100%. Have you, uh, have you heard from Bam? I have not, and the reason why is because um, I had to... to create some healthy boundaries mm. right um <clears throat> in the last because he just celebrated 60 days yeah um there got to a point at the end where you know when we were talking and i don't think he was in a good he wasn't in a good place then he was like really spewing this hateful stuff and i'm like this this behavior isn't acceptable to me like yeah. I, I i accept where he is as a human being but i don't need to show up for that to take that Okay, for the record, did you crash his car? Absolutely. He, you did? 100%. Okay. And <laughs> oh, is, is, is he going off about the car No, no, still? I just remember back in the day, right. and I just never heard you address that, but I was wondering, I was like... Uh, I, I absolutely did. Um, and he, he easily, what he says is true. He could have reported the car stolen to the insurance company and got reimbursed. Yeah. He did not. I didn't go to jail. He ate that cost. Mm. Um but without me having to make this like a oh, fuck it. I mean, I'll just say it. Um, on the 28th of every month, Phil receives a check from me from financial. Amounts, oh, cool. Which has been actively happening now. I'd say for the past two years or maybe three. Good for you. Yeah, that's awesome. so. But that's not something that I needed to. You know, we I, can I cut mean, that out if you want to cut it out. I don't care. I was just trying it, to be funny and no, it turned into this no, serious no. thing. It's totally cool. Um, and <laughs> I, I really don't care either way. But I'd see people say that and they'd come. And I took a note and lesson from you, which I do a lot, um, where I really stopped buying into social media. I stopped reading the comments. I stopped letting because mm. I saw you do that. Yeah, dude, I, I do my best to avoid the comments, man. So now I'm at the point where I'm trying <laughs> to like, practice yeah, like yeah. one hour a day social media. Mm. When my Vinny, yeah. now you got me, you got me worried. Like what? Like, uh, no, dude, all good. Do you really? <laughs> <laughs> you really sold that? Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, so what, Bam reaches out to you and you don't pick up the phone or? No, I, I had to block him. Oh, wow. Um, just because at the time when I did that, he was like really not exhibiting nice behaviors. This is recently, right? I, he, he had a fairly recent rant on, on Novak. This oh, probably really? like four months ago-ish. Sounds about right. Um, but what I do believe is true now is that he is probably doing the best that I've seen him do in a long time. And the reason why is his skating. I can tell when he's like, not just like standing on a board, get a shot of me. I saw that, like, that, uh, it, was, it wasn't a melon, it was just, but it was just it's a ball, over ball head. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, a, you know, it's like alcoholics, like, you, whatever you say doesn't matter, right? Right. But, like, your behaviors will tell me exactly how you're living. His skateboarding, I can tell when he's, like, thoroughly, sincerely skating, and yeah. he only does that when he's doing better. The last time mm -hmm. I saw him do that was when he was filming the Vice thing in, in Spain. Spain with Winkle. That was, he's, he's back there again, so. He looks good. You know, he looks good on his social media. Here's the crazy thing, is that uh, two days ago, my buddy Darby Allen, yeah, who's the wrestler. Uh, mm -hmm. the wrestler for AEW, and he's just a rad skater. He's, he's so just sick. a rad guy. The guy yeah. who went down the half pipe in a body bag. Yeah. Yeah. The quarter, the, the vert wall quarter pipe yeah. at Baker. Um, he's yeah, I, I, lo I love that guy, and he's like pretty tight with Bam. Mm -hmm. Came he came over and he's skating the ramp a couple of days ago. And I was like, hey man, I lost touch with Bam. You know, like. I, I don't have a number for him. I don't have any, anything, you know. But like, but, but I want Bam to see my ramp, dude. Mm -hmm. Can you, like, just text him this clip that I just uh, shot of you skating? Where just text it to Bam. And uh, Darby let me know that Bam got back to him, and he said, uh, he Bam asked, was Steve-O talking shit about me? <laughs> <laughs> And Dar Darby said, no, he wasn't. He just wants to skate his ramp, something like that. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad, man. I, I got, I'm not, I'm not here to talk shit. You know? hey, I'm, I mean, uh, right now, so uh, ironically enough, his girlfriend, this girlfriend that he has, mm -hmm. who seems to be in, inciting some kind of motivation in him, uh, messaged me the other day. Oh, she wow. DM'd me, and she said, this is like three days ago, and she's like, um... I just want you to know I've never met you. It's nice to meet you. I don't know what your past looks like, but um, Bam is like, you know, he he misses you and, and he talks about you often and, and he smiles when conversations come up about you, you know, and, and that's nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that I will, like, um, want to re-entertain, like, a... I'll sh no. Who the fuck am I to say that? I'll show up for him whenever, like he did for me, um, and hopefully it will take somewhere along the line. Yeah, the craziest part of why I brought up Darby Allen is that he told me Bam's got his alcohol monitor bracelet off. I was shocked. Oh, whoa. He's got it off, and he isn't exactly. Wasted. I, I, that's crazy. I would have bet my, I even said I bet my sobriety when that bracelet comes off, he's right back to where he left off. And when I found that out, I was just, I was like, right. wow, things are changing, maybe. Right. And, and I, I would say, thank God for this, this court case. Thank God mm -hmm. for this criminal court case. Cause I think Bam is legitimately terrified mm -hmm. of getting wasted and ending up in jail because of it. 
I've seen a lot of handcuffs create sobriety for people. Big time. Divinely inconvenienced. <laughs> yeah, it's all. It's all also like you know to, a when, when a family. Judge. <laughs> well, it's like when the family stops enabling. That's when you usually get sober, you know, or when, when like your closest friends. So, of course, like a, a lawsuit from Jess, like you. I mean, it's a tough decision to make if you're Jess, but. You have to do that kind of shit sometimes. Not a lawsuit, criminal charges. What's the difference? One is... Uh, oh. Well, yeah, what is the difference? I mean, the criminal courts deal with, with freedom, and civil courts deal with uh, money. Hmm. Like, you well, regardless, because I remember I was telling the story, like... I heard on Loveline Dr. Drew, and he was like, dude, like, if, if you have a family member that's a drunk and he keeps driving, call the cops on him, get him arrested, have him go to jail. That's where I'm at. And a lot yeah. of people are like, I would never fucking do that to my, but it's like, right, bro, I mean, at the, you know, 20, 30th time, like, fuck that guy. Even if he's my brother, like, he's going to hurt somebody. And you can't just sit there and watch whatever the case may be, you know? And um, I, I, I had a call with uh, with a lady the other day. I, I, her, I used to work with her son, and... and um, Son wasn't responding to the text, and so I texted his mom, and I was like, "Hey, have you heard from so and so?" And she's like, "Oh, he's in another rehab." And I, you know, she was just venting and venting. And I said, "You ever thought about doing Al-Anon?" They do not want to fucking hear about Al-Anon, and yeah. it's like, uh, it's just a strange thing. Like, like they can't, they have this rationalization in their head that you know I would never do that to my son, or I'd never mm -hmm. like it's my baby. I don't want to. It's like, but you baby him, you bury him. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of things getting bad, right? Because for me, things had to get really bad before they got really good. And I, I adopted that mentality from my sponsor, my first sponsor. I it was at the end, and I was in a bad way, and I was stranded at the airport, and I like was really contemplating suicide. I had come up with a plan, and I, I texted uh, my sponsor, and I said, dude, I, I'm going to like kill myself this is i can't do it and his response was a picture of a poppy plant <laughs> you know it's like and his, he always said to me you never get between an alcoholic and their bottom ever mm. ever 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 and and that for me my experience states that i had to have repercussions for my actions like yeah. and without that like unmanageability for me is a monday morning cup of tea the pain has to be unfucking bearable yeah unbearable how are you gonna do it Kill yourself. Oh, I don't want to live yourself. I, I had, um, I well, when I had got sober, I had this bag and it possessed my belongings. And, and in that bag, I was also an accessories whore, but I had eight scarves. I liked scarves. I would tie off with them, I would use them as belts. Um, but this day, I was going to go into the men's stall of the BWI airport where I was stranded and, and kind of like this, make this makeshift noose. On the, which it surely would have fucking failed, but in, in the in the bathroom stall, the very last one where businessmen hang their jackets while yeah. they shit, like I was gonna hang myself there. You would have fell. Yeah, yeah, it, sure. it, it wouldn't have worked. I'm like frail. I'm sick. I couldn't tie a proper authentic knot to hold my weight. Yeah, dude. But that was it. I was done. For sure. Well, I think that uh, as it relates to Bam. Neither of us are mad at him. No, love him. To to, well. And that's the thing. It sucks. I, I've been skating a lot lately. And uh, I, I skate, and then I'm like, dude, I'd love to skate with him. He's a fun guy to skate with. And I, and I believe and I hope that we'll get some sessions in at some point. I just wish that there wasn't a wedge between him and his family. That's what hurts the most. It's, you know, like I can handle him, like, you know, losing contact with me. 
but it's like man with the all the you know I mean it's your, that's your mom that's your yeah. dad that's your brother like come on dude you know like with the that 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 upsets me but when he guys when he talks shit about you guys you know it's not real right like are or do you like okay. get your feelings hurt sometimes i'm gonna i'm gonna um reveal something here there is uh uh i'm very good friends with this radio dj the radio host in tampa mike calta mike calta hit me up he said hey i've got a bam coming into the studio tomorrow are you guys cool and i was like i don't even know if we're cool i'd love it if you asked bam so mike calta asks bam on the radio are you cool with steve bam says i love steve but i went on tour with him and and he's supposed to pay me a bunch of money to go on tour and then he put all the money he owes me into a trust fund for phoenix and i want to know why i did the work i get the money why are you getting trying to give it to phoenix who can't even get it until he's 18. 18. Mm. and and like this upset me because that's calling me a liar and a thief and and it's simply not the case there's one thing you are not and that's not a liar yeah number one there is no trust fund for phoenix because bam has refused to sign off on one being created it just doesn't exist so how i would have put money into a trust fund for phoenix is uh there's no way number two i absolutely paid bam specifically on january 31st because i asked scott to look it up and uh and he got every oh wow every damn penny that was promised to him a hundred percent paid he, he was supposed to go somewhere else during that time and you paid and, that guy yeah what double what he was owed or whatever that I was mean, yeah whatever like everything that was agreed to i honored my word and then two months after the fact then I, I reached out and I said, hey, we've got these boards. You know, we've got like some of these boards left over. I'm trying to figure out what to do with them. And I said, I'll tell you, this is two months later. I said, I'll tell you, with what's remaining of these skateboards, I'm happy to sell them and I'll even sell unlimited more. But at this point, given all of what's happened, like I'm only going to sell these boards if your half goes into a trust fund for phoenix this was in relation to transactions that had not happened that moving forward in the future and that marked specifically the moment when i lost contact with bam he was hmm. so outraged i got a drunken call he, he was so outraged and i've i've never spoken to him since um, but I, he had the date. He, he had it mixed mixed up. He, he changed his number. Like he he like uh, I just have I've had no communication with him. But I was so I was so upset that um, by um, I was so upset by what he said, mischaracterizing the, the what happened on that Mike Calta show. I turned around and bought a cameo video from him <laughs> that's amazing I, and, like, can we play we, the we, clip here yeah, we, we were making this <laughs> we were making this cameo video which is so such a that's amazing but uh do we have it did he respond oh, it, yeah it, we it have it we can play it from here oh that's so good Go and, and, uh, and it just said hey uh steve-o says that uh you accused him of not paying you <laughs> 
And uh, in fact, he. Uh, well, you, you, you. Hello, dear Rando fan. It's Bam Marjorie here. And you know what? My parents handle my bills, and I haven't spoke to them since they took the other side in the courtroom. So I don't really know what's going on. But last time I checked, when I would guess I was pretty bad on alcohol. They said that Steve-O was setting up a trust fund for Phoenix to get paid when he was 18. And I was like, but I did the tour, so why does he pay me? Long story short, apparently everything worked out fine, but they sent the money to my parents, which I don't talk to. So everything is just great. And I love Steve-O. Rock and roll. <laughs> For the small fee of fifty dollars, Bam Two will agree with you. <laughs> yeah, you, you I need to order exactly like ten of them now. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. I, I'm doing it, dude. dude I, I didn't. It's so good. I didn't expect him to actually uh, respond. But, but, but what, what we wrote into the request was, <laughs> "Hey, Stevo says that you accused him of not paying you, but in fact he did on January 31st and that he never even brought up a trust fund for Phoenix until Hello, months later. Scroll up. Okay, dude, enough with that. Yeah. Oh, so he did that, and then he went back and... Well, no, I didn't it. expect him to... to, to yeah, okay. Hey, Bam, Steve said he's bummed you accused him of not paying you for going on tour with him. He says you got paid everything you were owed on exactly January 31st. Uh, for both the shows and the boards you guys sold, and that he has, he has the documentation. He said he didn't even bring up the trust fund until two months later, and that was only about selling additional boards after that point. <laughs> he thinks you're out there calling him a liar and a thief. Can you make a video message to Steve-O <laughs> that I can post and tag him? It hurts my heart that he's so upset. I mean, what the fuck? Who needs the court of law when you have cameo? <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't expect him to make the That's video. Right. That's How fast did he respond? Uh, it, it, we, we, we put a 24-hour yeah. on it. Oh, you pay a few extra bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the 24 hours elapsed, I figured he was never going to respond to it. But I didn't care. I just wanted to, like, I wanted to know that he got that information. For sure. Because I don't want him like, accusing me of something that well, I didn't When do. I sent that to you, I think your response was like, wow. You know, like, yeah. you were impressed with, you know. His, when his, he was on tour with us, did you see any glimmer of hope? Because, like, he was hitting meetings with us every night. We were... Reading out of the Not big it. book, you know, like he no. was sober. The, I'm pretty sure he was sober the whole time we were on the road. He was sober the whole time on the road. But what I what what the telltale sign for me is when somebody blames other people for their problems. Yeah. And I unfortunately heard a lot of that. But uh, I mean, I had a great time with them. Yeah. But that kind of goes back to the notion that I said earlier, you know, something that was a seed that was planted unbeknownst to me at that first attempt at treatment where I went there strictly yeah. to prove a point why I wasn't you fucking sober weird people and yeah. I didn't need what you do to have this good life ultimately ended up being like one of the main foundation stones in my recovery when the timing aligned and right and that's my answer to the questions that I didn't see any glimmers of hope, but I felt strongly that we were planting sure. seeds yeah. that mm -hmm. might later 
uh, turn into something. Well, he's probably going to see this. Do you guys have anything to say to him, or is that? I mean, we 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 said our thing, man. Like, I don't I don't want it. I don't want anybody out there like accusing me of something I didn't do. I cleared that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you miss him, and it, 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 I'm rooting for him. Yeah, like our position is always going to be. Hey, it, it's always been the same. Yeah, if you can just get all we've all we've ever wanted was him. For him to be happy, healthy, prosperous, have a good life. Yeah, yeah. End of story. And and everybody's got a different approach to how you want to help somebody be happy and healthy and prosperous. Yeah. Some people think that enabling is the way to to get that. Some people think tough love is the way sure. to get that. You know, like like you know. None of us really know. And we all, I think, I hope we all want the same outcome. I think everybody, yeah, everybody absolutely wants, even, even the haters. Yeah. Even the haters yeah. on his Reddit In page. their sick, weird way, they yeah. want a good outcome too. Yeah. They just, it's like we're, we're all sick in our own way. And my sickness right. is shown in different ways than Vinny's or Scott's or your, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Not mine. <laughs> so, there's, so there's no hard feelings. You know, so like, bam, come skate the new ramp. <laughs> yeah, come skate the ramp, man. Yeah. The, you know, the only thing is I want him happy, healthy, prosperous. I want him That's to it. have a relationship with his family, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and, and, and that's that. Yeah. I support whatever it takes for him to, to be happy and, and have that reason to get out of bed every morning for like the lust of life. Like I support it. Yep. Well, you guys going to go skate? Yeah, yeah dude. Let's do it, man. I, I gotta, I, I gotta go. Uh, we have a double date with my friend Lisa Vanderpump. Oh, I just went oh. to her restaurant the other night. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, Tom Tom. It was really good. Where are you Where are you going? Um, we're going over to her house. Oh, wow. My Sick. plan is to bring on my laptop computer and Didn't force sure. her to watch. Sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And, and film her reaction. So I'm push. actually really surprised you didn't do it with Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> then, oh, uh, show him, show him your special. Um, he, he, he came and saw the show on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the first time I knew that was real, that Steve showed his footage, I remember we were in some hotel. Uh, it, it was a was nightmare. Like, it was three... <laughs> I'm scarred. Three or four in the morning. Then uh, it was three or four in the morning, and he was uh, he was editing this YouTube video, and and uh, he made a a cut to it for like a three second change, and he woke me up out of a dead of sleep. He's like, "Dude, check this out." And we watched the whole video. I'm like, "What'd you do?" He's like, "Yeah, no, I changed that." I'm like, "Dude, you woke me up for like a four second." Imagine not sober. <laughs> dude, dude. Yeah. yeah, dude. All right, hey, man. Hey, shameless plug, though, man. If anyone needs help, they can reach out to me yeah, and my dude. team directly. Hell yeah. 610-314-6747. Redemption Addiction Treatment Center. We say that again because I rudely interrupted. Yeah. 610-314-6747. Call me directly. Uh, if you're looking for help or interested in learning more about my new treatment center, Redemption Addiction. How much is a sponsorship? Uh, $180 a week. So times four is 720? I do 15s. We've already established this. I, <laughs> yeah, why don't you do heroin ratios, 15 down. So uh, I did it last time. You did. I you was, and Steve did it. I'll sponsor one more, uh, really? one more month for somebody. I was so bummed you guys, your show got canceled, but I was going to bring all the guys from the houses. Uh, and yeah, yeah. you were going to, I had the two guys that you both sponsored who were oh, still there and sober uh, wow. who were going to come and, and like were so stoked. They're still sober. I, I would love to FaceTime you at some point yeah. with them. Let me do one more month for somebody. That'd be amazing. And we can God connect you with your girl. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really rad. Cool. I love you boys. Thank you for yeah, the platform. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the great. time. Yeah. 
And there you have it. Did you uh, included the all the, the cameo stuff? Did you put in the actual video? Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. That, that episode was nuts. And, uh, hey, man, if you're still here, you know that you are special to me. And did you hear me mention in the very beginning that the bucket list is going live? We got the trailer out there. We got the pre-sale going. You're going to get a better deal. Oh, you know what? Let me tell you. It's the same deal, except if you use the promo code. What is the promo code? I think I'm making it up right now. Yeah. Promo code. Yeah, huh? Yeah, dude. Mm. Ooh, I wonder if we can give the street team an even better deal. Wendy. Let's do, I want, I want to have multiple promo codes. Promo code street team. I'm going to see if I can give the street team more money off yeah and it's only gonna work for the first 48 hours so you gotta be like on it quick all right street team promo code street team on the checkout of the bucket list special oh it's so good i love you guys